As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Dry till it's ever dry. CME Pipelining and Sewer Repair. For faster, cleaner pipelining and sewer repair, call the no-dig experts. Visit CMEPipelining.com today. Rumpke Waste and Recycling. Official waste and recycling service provider of the Cincinnati Red. Stone Statements. Bring your dream kitchen to life with Stone Statements. And by Kelsey Chevrolet. The home of Kelsey Truck Country. Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. The Tri-State's newest and largest truck superstore. Selling all makes and all models, plus lifetime powertrain protection from our family to yours for life. KelseyTrucks.com on 700 WLW, the home of the Cincinnati Reds. All right, let's do this. 948 on 700 WLW on a losing night, a losing day for the Cincinnati Reds. Swept by the Pirates. Welcome in to the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show. Visit Kelsey Truck Country off Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. I'm Lance McAllister. You and me until midnight tonight. First of all, if you have hung around to this point, major prop to you. It has been a long day of baseball. It has been a long, very painful day of baseball the reds managed to play two games in one day and scored a total of one run we have two hours and 11 minutes between now and midnight you will excuse me if i don't use all two hours and 11 minutes to recap the day that was for reds baseball my plan right now would be to use about 11 of those two hours and 11 minutes to discuss the Reds' two games today. In fact, my docket looks as follows. Uh, we will spend a little bit of time because we haven't since, um, let's see, since the roundtable started last week with Bengals season. I was not on Thursday. Friday, I don't do extra innings. Monday night was Bengals line. So we have not had a chance to discuss Major League Baseball's announcement of the rule changes, uh, the banning of the shift and the pitch clock and the larger bases and the limit of two pickoff throws per batter. We're going to get into that a little bit later on in the 10 o'clock hour. I do want to spend a little bit of time on college football because I thought Luke Fickle had some interesting comments today about the Miami Redhawks, the victory bell uh, this weekend, and whether that game should continue or not. Might squeeze in a little bit of Kentucky football in the uh, back end of the 10 o'clock hour. 11 o'clock hour, I do want to get into the Bengals because there is something I saw on Twitter tonight that broke down the play calling uh, of Zach Taylor and the Bengals that really was um, really rather revealing as far as I'm concerned. And I, I, I want to I, I want to spend some time on the Bengals because 
as the case is, I never get to talk with listeners about the Bengals game until at least Tuesday because Monday nights are Bengals line and we've got the players and the coaches. Um, I want to lay out in the 11 o'clock hour and take some calls on the Bengals and, and ask this. Uh, how many times can your head coach say, my bad? Further explanation on that later. I have an extra innings extra tonight that I think is pretty cool. I found it from 1981. It's Bob Trumpy talking with Pete Rose and Kurt Gowdy. Pete Rose joined him in studio, and Kurt Gowdy came by and joined him in studio. He was in town uh, to be inducted into the National Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Uh, Pete told a story about, actually it was a phone call that, that Pete took during the show about autographs and how players... Back then, 1981, in this caller's opinion, weren't as accommodating as they used to be at signing autographs. There's a great story tied to this you're going to hear. Kurt Gowdy and Pete both discussed criticism of athletes in that day and age in 1981 and being critical of the team you're broadcasting the games of. I found that to be really good. So we'll do that in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll do it on this date in Reds history, and we'll check uh, some minor league news of significance for the Reds tonight as well. That is my plan initially going in of how I have mapped out the remaining now two hours and eight minutes. I'll open up the phone lines after the uh, the 10 o'clock hour as well, but we'll head down the stretch in this hour. Uh, add in some notes and nuggets from tonight's game and get us off and running until midnight tonight on a day where the Reds get swept by the Pirates, capped with a game two loss of one to nothing. This is the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show on 700 WLW. Hey, this is Joe Walter. I donated a car to Goodwill, and now someone with a disability. WLW Reds on the short end of a uh, bleak day. Swept today by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Losers in game one, 6-1. Losers in game two, one nothing. Let's recap the game. Brought to you by Serval Electric. One call, that's all. ServalElectric.com. Uh, for the second time since Saturday, the Reds were held to one hit in a game. Second time since Saturday, one hit in a game. Reds batters in game one were five for 31. Reds batters in game two were one for 27. My butler math tells me they went a combined six for 58 on the day. Uh, the game was scoreless until the Pirates pushed across the only run in the top of the seventh. Scoring a run against reliever Ian Jabot. Uh, the opener was the uh, choice today for the Reds. Fernando Cruz took the role as opener, making his first major league start. He retired all five batters in uh, pitching an inning and two-thirds of scoreless baseball. I'm going to make him our Skyline Chili Feeling Good player of the game. Brought to you by Skyline Chili Feeling Good. It's Skyline time. 32 years old, a journeyman. He has played here, there, and everywhere. Inning and two-thirds, five up, five down. He threw 19 pitches, 12 were strikes. His earned run average drops to 142. The bullpen offered up. It figures now the bullpen pitches. well. Bullpen went seven and a third innings, allowing one run. One run. Raver San Martin, two and a third innings. Raynell Espinal with another scoreless inning, two strikeouts. His earned run average drops to one eight zero. The Pirates did not record their first hit until Ben Gamble's leadoff single to start the fifth inning. 
And in the process of this game, the Reds added to their franchise record. Espinal uh, became the 65th player the Reds have used this year, the 38th pitcher used this year, extending both single-season franchise records. It is time to recap the drive of the game, brought to you by the BMW Store, the BMW Store where passion loves company. You know, there's some nights where you think, oh, man, what am I going to choose for drive of the game? Tonight, there's only one thing I can choose. It was the only hit they had. Seems pretty obvious. We'll make the drive of the game. Stuart Fairchild's double, his double, the lone hit of the game. That is your drive of the game, brought to you by the BMW Store. Um, Pirates right-hander, 23-year-old Luis Ortiz, was really good in his Major League debut. Five and two-thirds innings. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. is the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show, brought to you in part by EverDry Waterproofing. If your basement leaks, call EverDry. It's not dry till it's EverDry. CME Pipelining and Sewer Repair. For faster, cleaner pipelining and sewer repair, call the no-dig experts. Visit cmepipelining.com today. Rumpke Waste and Recycling, official waste and recycling service provider of the Cincinnati Red. Stone Statements. Bring your dream kitchen to life with Stone Statements. And by Kelsey Chevrolet, the home of Kelsey Truck Country, Route 50 in Lawrenceburg, the tri-state's newest and largest truck superstore, selling all makes and all models, plus lifetime powertrain protection from our family to yours for life. KelseyTrucks.com on 700 WLW, the home of the Cincinnati Reds. All right, let's keep it rolling. 1007-700-WLW. This is the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Innings Show. I'm Lance McAllister. Extra Innings is brought to you in part by Western and Southern Financial Group, helping to make Cincinnati the best place to live, work, and enjoy life. Sad story, Reds lose twice today. They score one run in the afternoon, getting swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. We've opened up the uh, conversation with a recap, a little bit more on the Reds a little bit later on. I do want to add, and I I figure if you're hanging around this long, I, I think logic says you're a Reds fan. Uh, you're a baseball fan. So I want to spend maybe a segment on the new baseball rules that were announced by Major League Baseball last week. And, uh, I, heck, I'll open up the lines on this because I haven't had a chance uh, since they uh, were announced to uh, take phone calls on it. So we'll spend a little bit of time on that. But, hey, I, I'd be uh, a, a little remiss if I didn't at least entertain some Bengals conversation, maybe closer to the bottom of the hour. It would be my first opportunity since the game ended to uh, take some calls in reaction to the Bengals game later on in the 
the 11 o'clock hour, we'll do a Sports Talk Extra. I have Bob Trumpy in uh, 1981 with Pete Rose and Kurt Gowdy. And I've got two clips I want to play uh, from their conversation. I think you will find very interesting, if not uh, hopefully entertaining. All of that uh, is ahead. Let me give you a quick rundown on headlines. The Reds get swept, as mentioned, 6-1 and one nothing. They are now 56-85. and They play tomorrow afternoon with Nicola Dolo taking them out. Reds combined in the two games for one run on six hits. They were 6-for-58 in the two games today. Can they go at least 7-14 and 14 in the final 21 games to avoid 100 losses? Again, Nicola Dolo takes the ball tomorrow. Game one, Luis Sessa started, went five and two-thirds innings, gave up five runs. The offense managed just five hits. Kyle Dowdy tossed two and a third scoreless innings. And I will admit, I should admit this, but but I well, I don't think I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, in, in tracking the game, I saw Kyle Dowdy come in, and my first thought was, "Who the hell's Kyle Dowdy?" I, and I, I I I had a lot going on today, getting ready for uh, both the pregame show and tonight's show, and the Reds had called him up as an extra player for the doubleheader today. I'm like Kyle Dowdy. How did I miss Kyle Dowdy? And it was another one of the endless gazillion transactions the Reds make. In this case, it was made as the extra player for the doubleheader. He goes back, but he pitched two and a third scoreless innings today. So who is Kyle Dowdy? Well, he was called up today, and he pitched uh, two innings plus for the Reds and did not give up a run. Uh, the Reds sent right-hander Connor Overton on a rehab assignment. The tri- well, like I'm the only one who said, who the hell's Kyle Dowdy today? You probably did, too. You just won't admit it. You see, Chris didn't know who Kyle Dowdy was. Uh, the Reds sent Connor Overton on a rehab assignment to AAA Louisville. Uh, he had a 182 earned run average in four starts before his back injury. He last pitched May the 17th. He pitched on that rehab assignment tonight. I've got the numbers. I will fill in the details in just a bit. Bengals had the day off today. They ramp up preparation for the Cowboys tomorrow. Uh, By the way, the Bengals-Steelers game was the most-watched regional 1 o'clock game in that window of broadcasting for CBS since 1998. Most-watched regional 1 o'clock window for the broadcast on CBS since 1998. Steelers linebacker T.J. Watt does not need surgery, does not need surgery on his torn pectoral and is now expected to miss about six weeks. ESPN reports the Raiders, the Raiders, Las Vegas has uh, or will sign former Bengals first-round pick Billy Price to the practice squad. Price started for the Giants last season. It is the 126th battle for the Victory Bell Saturdays. The Bearcats host the Miami Redhawks at Paycor Stadium. That's right, not Nippert. This one's at Paycor. The all-time series is even 59 59 and 7. Now the Bearcats have won 15 straight in the series. Uh, Luke Fickle tonight on his coaches show down the dial tonight on ESPN 1530 announced that Local product, defensive lineman Malik Van tore his pectoral muscle against Kennesaw State. He is out. He had surgery. Um, I don't know that all pectorals are the same. Well, I do know all pectorals are not the same. But as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, uh, T.J. Watt had surgery on his torn pectoral. He's expected to miss about six weeks. No announcement on how long Malik Van is expected to miss. Also, Luke Fickle uh, tonight. 
mentioning that wide receiver Will Pauling will miss multiple weeks with an MCL injury. Ohio State expects preseason All-American wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba to play this week against Toledo. He suffered a hamstring injury early in the opener uh, against Notre Dame. He led Ohio State in receiving last year with 1,600 yards. The playoff push for FC Cincinnati continues. The Orange and Blue are at Real Salt Lake on Saturday at 530. The NBA news today, Robert Sarver, owner of the Phoenix Suns and the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury, has been suspended one year and fined $10 million by the NBA. The NBA found, quote, instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees, including sex-related comments, inappropriate comments on employees' appearance, and use of the N-word multiple times, a one-year suspension and a $10 million fine. Those are your headlines. Everything else can be found in blog form, and there's a thing or two. Go to 700WLW.com. The blog is uh, presented by me. Well, it's actually presented through me and my friends at Modern Office Methods. Mom can help your organization with your print strategy that can include reducing print costs, sometimes up to 30%. That can mean thousands of dollars in savings. Start with a free print assessment by going to momnet.com. That's momnet.com. Thanks again to uh, Modern Office Methods for the invite last week to their business luncheon at Day Air Ballpark in Dayton, the home of the Dragons. Beautiful ballpark, wonderful conversation. We had a great lunch and Q&A, and uh, I was honored to be there and very much appreciate them being uh, the presenter of the blog and having me uh, speak for them with their commercials. Very much appreciated. I am uh, I am honored. So there's uh, a look at your headlines. Now let's get to, let me Lay the foundation for this, and maybe we'll we'll take some calls when we come back. Uh, last week, Major League Baseball announced that starting next season, the following rule changes will be in place: a pitch clock, a ban on the shift, and larger bases. Now, let me take these one at a time. Major League Baseball announced that pitchers starting next year will have 15 seconds to throw the pitch with nobody on base. With runners on, a runner or runners on, they'll be given 20 seconds. Uh, the major league clock is slightly longer than the version they are, they've been experimenting with on the minor league level. How has this played out to this point? The clock reduced the average minor league time from last year to this year, the length of game, 26 minutes from three hours and four minutes on average to two hours and 38 minutes on average. The average length of a major league game this year is 3.06. The length of a major league game this year is up 20 minutes from back in 1989. Now, there are two things in play here for this rule specifically. We'll take them one at a time. There is length of game and there's pace of play. I'm not as worried about length of game. I'm, I've always been worried about pace of play, and there's two distinct differences. If there is a three-hour game with action, that's one thing. If there's a three-hour game with a lot of standing around and stepping out of the batter's box and adjusting your, your, your cup and, and scratching various body parts, um, I, sorry, I, I don't have the time or patience or interest in, in sitting through it. And I think, I think any baseball fan would agree with that. I, I think... This rule, when, when 
old school diehards hear it, they roll their eyes and they may mutter some profanities under their breath that there's no reason for a pitch clock in Major League Baseball. For my way of thinking, if it can streamline the game, if it can reduce the dead time, I had somebody last week who um, posted on my Facebook page, they said, I, I don't pay good money to go to a game so they can take 30 minutes off the length of the game. I want my money's worth. And my reaction was, you're, you're, you're missing the point. Nobody's fighting for dead time. That's what Major League Baseball will, will get rid of next season. It's the, the time where nothing's happening. And, and I have attended many minor league games with a pitch clock, and I am here to tell you, in the first couple of games, you'll look at the clock and you'll, you'll feel a difference. After that, it's going to be so smooth. Not fast, not lickety-split, but it's going to be so smooth with such a rhythm and a pacing to the game, you're, one, not going to notice it, and then when we talk about it next year, you're going to say, where has this rule been? I love this rule. It's all about, Uh, think of it this way, it's editing out all the wasted time in Major League Baseball. Batter steps out, pitcher steps off the rubber, batter adjusts the batting glove, Batter walks back to the dugout, gets another bat. Batter steps in. Batter pitch is thrown. It's taken for a strike. Batter steps out, adjusts the batting glove. Pitcher steps off off the rubber, and on and on and on with nothing happening. Major League Baseball's biggest problem, one of its biggest problems, one is so much time where nothing happens. It's the equivalent of watching when, when your kids were playing uh, coach pitch, or, or no, not coach pitch, when you were watching your kids at seven or eight, nine, when they first started pitching, and the number of walks, walk after walk after walk after walk, and Major League Baseball today is the equivalent of people standing around, you know, picking dandelions or looking at clouds and figuring out what the shape they are on the outfield or picking their nose. There's too much of nothing in Major League Baseball. So the pitch clock is going to edit that, streamline it, and say, let's pick up the pace, let's go. It's not going to be fast. It's not going to be, whoa, slow down. But there is going to be a rhythm, and you're going to say, all right, I like this. Throw the pitch, hit the ball, miss the ball, get the pitch back, throw the pitch. There, there No fiddle-faddling around, no dilly-dallying around. Are, are those still words? None of that. So that is the first thing, and I'll open up the lines at 513-749-7000, 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE. The first of the three rule changes, I'd just be curious, and I think at this point, again, at ten eighteen on a uh, middle of September night after a Reds game, I think Reds fans are hanging around listening. So I would be curious of your thought to that concept. This this isn't in debate. It's, it's coming into play next year. Major League Baseball will tell its pitchers with a clock, you've got 15 seconds with nobody on to throw the pitch. You've got 20 seconds with somebody on to throw the pitch. If you don't, it's a ball. And if the batter um, is not ready, it's a strike. That is our starting point, at least for a segment. And we'll get into the Bengals after the bottom of the hour. And my question I ask at the top of the hour, how many times can a head coach say, my bad, before somebody says, why do you have to keep saying you're bad? 1018. It's Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Innings on 700 WLW. Hi, this is Carson Palmer. Get all the orange and black you can handle on 700 WLW, the home of the best Bengals coverage. If you need a plumber, call Nick Skull Plumbing. 
1024-700 WLW. It's Kelsey Chevrolet. Extra innings. Visit Kelsey Truck Country off Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. I'm Lance McAllister. Red swept by the Pirates. 6-1 the final in uh, Game 1. one nothing the final in Game 2. Bengals conversation coming after the bottom of the hour. Right now, your reaction to the Major League Baseball rule changes. I would say this for the, the diehards, the purists, the traditionalists who wring their hands over a pitch clock. Um, I think most diehards and traditionalists wish the game was more like it used to be. I, I don't want to speak for you, but that's the sense I get. I want the game to be, be the way it used to be. Well, with a pitch clock, the, the pace of a Major League Baseball game is going to get back to the way it used to be. In, in 1989, the average length of a baseball game was about two hours and 45 minutes or so. The way that the impact has been on the minor league game, it has reduced minor league games about 26 minutes per game down to about 238. Well, I, I guess my question would be, what would be wrong with a two-hour and 38-minute baseball game? Let, let's just say for argument's sake that it has the same exact impact and the length of a game next year in Major League Baseball is two hours and 38 minutes, the way it used to be, and does that not fit more more into your your timeline of life and your commitment i guess what i don't understand is to fight against it would be say no i want all that time of people standing around doing nothing that's what i don't understand about the opposition have one three seven four nine seven thousand and one eight hundred the big one how about uh here and on a cell hey chad welcome to the kelsey chevrolet extra inning show Hey, Lance, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my thoughts on the, uh, is, uh, I'll preface this by saying, yes, I'm an old school fan and I, I agree with you 100% on the pitch clock. I think it will make the games more exciting. Um, now it, I don't know if we'll agree or disagree on this point. Uh, but as far as banning the shift, I am totally in yes. the corner of Terry Francona. If you are tired of hitting rockets into the teeth of the shift, Learn how to lay down a bunt or hit the ball the other way. Yeah, I, um, I I tend to I have difficulty with this. I can make the argument on both sides, and and my first thought is if I know baseball is so driven by analytics, and you can look at a chart and it shows you where a guy's going to hit the ball most of the time. For Major League Baseball to say you can't go over and stand there in a shift where he's probably going to hit it, it just seems wrong. I don't I don't know how you handcuff a defense that way, and I do I, I do see where you're coming from, and if more players just hit the ball the other way or butted the ball, it would force teams out of the shift. And that hasn't happened enough to force teams out of the shift so far. Yeah, and I appreciate you taking my call, Lance. One more thing. Uh, just yeah. when the Reds are relevant again, will David yes. Bell still be the manager, do you think? Oh, that is a great question because um, you can make the argument now. There's no reason to make a change because it's going to be at least another a challenging year into then 2024 probably and i think a lot of teams look at a at david bell would look at david bell as, as other teams have looked at somebody's got to do the like the heavy lifting of the rebuild and then hand it over to the next person that the cubs did that with joe madden a few years ago the astros have, have done that in their rebuild so I, I think that's a very good question and, and i think a lot of that will be tied to how much progress the young players make on the major league level next season under david bell yeah thank you lance you have a good evening 
thank you. You, uh, you, you as well. Um, let's stay on the lines and grab some more on the pitch clock. Why not? We're on a bit of a roll on that. Hey, let's go here. Sue, welcome to Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Innings. Well, hi, Lance. I'll make a couple quick comments. I think the pitch yes. clock will be good, but uh, I, I guess a couple games it might be hard on the managers. And like tonight's game, well, if the Reds don't ever do anything, my God, they'll be done quick like tonight. And That's well, right. as I started, sorry to see the Reds lose too. And maybe if we donate to the community fund, the Reds will get a couple runs. And then I'll give you one uh, item on the college. I'd like to see Notre Dame get a win. And, well, you can straighten out the Bengals, but they did their best, and that's about it, okay? (laughs) There you go. Hey, thanks, Sue. Enjoy your evening. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you go. Sue hitting on a little bit of everything. Yeah, uh, donate for runs. That'll be a new campaign for the Reds in 2022, uh, 2023. Donate uh, for run scoring in this offense. Oh, is I, I think it's going to be, well, it has been bleak. It's going to be bleak, I think, the last 21 games of the season with, uh, f- with this lineup. Uh, to give you a little perspective on the shift, in uh, 2011, Major League Baseball teams used the shift 2,300 times, right, 2,300 Six years ago, they used it 28,000 times. This season, Major League Baseball teams are on pace to use the shift over 68,000 times. So 11 years ago, when this was just developing as a trend, the shift was employed 2,300 times. This season, it will go over 68,000. Holy cow. What do you say we continue this? Add in some Bengals conversation in the mix as well on a losing day and night. Unfortunately for the Reds, they get swept by the Pirates. It's the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show, 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Witnesses taking the stand in the Pike County murder trial. This is the 1030 Report. I'm Rob Carpenter, breaking now with 700 Sean Gallagher. Among the first witnesses to take the stand in the trial of George Wagner the fourth Tuesday were siblings of victims of the eight members of the Rodin family. James Manley was one of them who agreed to appear on camera. He was among the first to find victims. What did you do after you saw Frankie and Hazel? Uh, went back outside, got in my truck, and went to Dana's house to tell her what's going on. And what happened when you got to Dana's house? I knocked on the door, and then the door opened by itself. And that's where James said he found his sister Dana, who had been killed as well. I'm Sean Gallagher, News Radio 700. WLW. Latest traffic and weather together. Just had a look at the uh, traffic cameras and maps. Construction delays continue. Southbound 71, 75 in northern Kentucky, just south of Burlington Pike. Now, the latest forecast from the Train Heating and Cooling Weather Center on News Radio 700 WLW. 
Wednesday morning. A touch of fog uh, toward daybreak. Otherwise clear, a morning low of 56. Our Wednesday then, sunshine and right at average of 80 degrees. At night, mostly clear, a low of 57. We're dry and warmer right into the weekend. From your severe weather station, I'm 9 First Warning, Chief Meteorologist Steve Raleigh. News Radio 700 WLW. Radar is quiet sixes across the board. It's a controversy that's been building in the district for 18 months. Some student groups calling for the Cincinnati Public Schools to get rid of the police officers assigned to their buildings. Board member Eve Bolton thinks it's part of the national defund the cops movement, which they want no part of. She's happy with the job the school resource officers have been doing, and the board voted 6-1 to continue the program. If you don't have the police officers with these relationships in these particular buildings with some of these kids and the staff, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be phoning 911 when there is an issue in a particular building, and we'll get another police officer, but it won't be a police officer that is particularly trained to deal with situations within schools. Bolton on the Scott Sloan Show. I'm Brian Combs, News Radio 700 WLW. 700 WLW Sports. Here's a Reds update. One hit. Ugh. That's all we got. One Ugh. damn hit. You can't say damn on the air. Yep, one hit for Cincinnati in game two of a doubleheader today at Great American Ballpark against the Pirates. The Reds falling in game one, 6-1, one nothing in game two with that one lone hit. Cincinnati tries to avoid that four-game sweep tomorrow afternoon against Pittsburgh. First pitch from Great American Ballpark set for 1235 on the nation's station. Radio 700 WLW. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel sick. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 700 WLW. Hey, it's the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show. Visit Kelsey Truck Country off Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. I'm Lance McAllister. Thanks for being here tonight. Reds get swept today by the Pirates 6-1 and 1-0. We've jumped into the Reds conversation. We've jumped into the changes coming in Major League Baseball next season. I do have some Bengals conversation around the corner, and you're going to hear an extra innings, extra, extra part of a conversation that Bob Trumpy had with Pete Rose on autographs and fans seeking autographs. And on that same night, Kurt Gowdy joined him in the studio, and they talked about criticizing uh, player, media and broadcasters, criticizing the team performance and criticizing players. I think it's a really interesting listen back to how it was viewed in 1981 compared to how we view it in 2022. All of that is ahead. But Major League Baseball enacting three rules next year. Pitch clock, 15 seconds for the pitcher to throw the ball with nobody on, 20 seconds to throw the ball with runners on base. Uh, this 
year the, in the minor league baseball, which used the pitch clock. And I think that's something to keep in mind, especially with all the Reds, with young players coming up through the Reds system, you would hope over the next couple of years, they're going to be used to this. It will be difficult for veterans, but the minor leaguers have been playing under these rules for a number of years so they will be used to it, which I think is something you, you have to consider. And this, this season, the average length of a minor league game has been reduced by 26 minutes. And again, I can't stress this is en- uh, enough. This is not about speeding up the game to get you out of the ballpark faster and get you home faster. It's about streamlining the game and giving you more action without having to wait so long between things happening. Get the ball, throw it. Hit it, run, throw it, hit it, run. No standing around. No, you know how much dead time there is in the game, especially sitting at a game. Those moments where, you know what we'll do? I The easiest way to explain what the pitch clock it's going to severely cut into the amount of time you look at your watch and look at your phone. Looking at your watch, like, what time, how long, when is this game going to be over? Or looking at your phone because there's nothing going on on the field. The other thing Major League Baseball is doing, the second of these, is the shift. Starting next season, teams must have two players on the left side of second base and two players on the right side of second base. That's, you know, those are the first base, second base on one side, third base, shortstop on the other side. But instead of shifting around to the right and sticking somebody out in right field, those four fielders must have their feet on the infield dirt and two on each side of second base. The shift has consumed Major League Baseball. A couple of schools of thought. One, I think it is easier said than done to say just hit the ball the other way. And I laugh when people bring up, well, Pete Rose, you know, he would hit against the shift. And Tony Gwynn and Rod Carew. Well, we've just mentioned three of the greatest hitters of all time. So I've never understood making the analogy saying, well, they should be able to do it because Pete Rose, Rod Carew, and Tony Gwynn. Um, those were three of the greatest to ever do it. The, those playing today, how many of them are considered the great? That's not to, it, it shouldn't be to lessen how good they are, it's to raise just how good Rose, Gwynn, Carew, guys like that were in being able to hit the ball the other way. Um, it is easier said than done doing that in a day and age where power pitching dominates the game. And the reality is, if you're executing the shift correctly as a defense, your pitcher is pitching to the shift. That means if a left-handed batter is at the plate and your team has shifted around to the the, the second base side and, and there's a, a, a infielder standing out in the grass in right field, well, your pitcher is not pitching the ball away from that hitter. He's pitching in to that hitter, so the hitter pulls it that way. He's not giving him fastballs on the outside corner to make it easier for the batter to reach out and hit it the other way. He's pitching to the shift. Uh, the other thought on this, bunt. Why don't people just bunt? Well, one, bunting is very difficult to do, especially in a day and age where the velocity and movement is unlike any age of baseball we have seen. So you can say, well, why don't you just square around and lay down a bunt? Well, why don't you square around and try to bunt against a 101-mile-an-hour fastball or a breaking ball with a break from here to there? And third of my points, I think most teams, if if your power hitter lays down a bunt, the other team would give you a standing ovation. If they can actually reduce the power hitters, 
the doubles, triples, extra base guys to a bunt, as hard as it is to bunt, if you really want to go up there as a power hitter and lay down a bunt for a single, I think the other team would say, all right, cool. <laughs> We'd much rather have you try the challenge of bunting a baseball in this day and age versus maybe hitting a home run against us. And if three of you in a row want to try to try to lay down successful bunts to lay to uh, to beat the shift, that's great. Let's see you do it three straight times, and then you still have the bases loaded and still need another hit to get a run. So keep those in mind. The third thing is the bases, and this I uh, kind of go back and forth on. They're they're using larger bases next year. They're going to be 18 inches wide instead of 15 inches. So couple of reasons one they want the bases bigger so uh, first baseman in particular don't get stepped on as much more room for your foot and the runner coming across the bag um i i would make i've always been a proponent of this i think they may, need to make the bases softer um if you've ever stepped on a major league base why they are as hard as they are i will never understand with players sliding into them with either their fingers or their feet and ankles or stepping on them on a bang bang play at first you saw Bryce Harper get hurt that way i just never understood why they make them as hard as they do but if you're going to make them a, a little bit wider it basically will give a runner on first 6 he'll be 6 inches closer to second base because first base is three inches larger and second base is three inches larger. So you're six inches closer, which in theory, baseball says, will help prevent injuries, giving enough room on the base for everybody, and entice base runners to say, all right, I'm a little bit closer. I'm going to try to steal. It has worked in the minor leagues. Uh, the, the number of stolen base attempts in the minors has skyrocketed. And if you are old school in baseball and you want, if you like bunting and hit, and the hit and run, and you like stolen bases, I can guarantee you there's going to be more stolen bases attempted next season. And I'm cool with that. I like that. Who doesn't like stolen bases? I don't think baseball is going to turn into the, you know, the 80 St. Louis Cardinals with Tommy Herr and, and uh, Vince Coleman and Willie McGee and guys like that, but you're going to see more attempted steals. I think across minor league baseball this year, teams are averaging almost one and a half stolen bases per game. I think it's safe to say there's no team in baseball this year averaging a steal per game. One steal per game. And right now in the minor leagues, teams are averaging almost one and a half per game. So those are the three rules. This is where you come in on what we make of all this. How about uh, here in, let's go to Westchester next. And how about uh, Chris? Welcome to the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show. How are you? I'm good, Lance. How are you this fine evening, my friend? Very well. What's on your mind? Listen, it, uh, this is the one that I've never got. I, I think it's a stupid-ass, archaic rule. Why they still use it, makes no, especially in today's baseball. Why can't you foul out on strikes? I'm sorry, but if the first two fouls are strikes, the third one should be. That's a stupid rule. You could have a guy sitting at the base for 10 minutes doing nothing but fouling off that third that third pitch. You know what I mean? That third, I mean, it's ridiculous. That one I still, to this day... Makes no sense, especially with the way the game has changed. If they got rid of that rule, I mean, there's an hour gone. If they want to streamline it, boom, there's an hour gone off the game right there. Not being, not well, being able give to, you... to strike out on three fouls is just a stupid, stupid rule. Especially if the first two are well... strikes. They consider those strikes. <laughs> why not the third? 
All right, Chris, you're you're clearly all wound up over this. I like your passion and excitement. Here's my first reaction to what you said, though. If we're going to say you're out on a foul ball strike three, if we think there's a lot of strikeouts right now in baseball, which is at an all-time high, do you realize how many outs are going to be strikeouts in baseball if the rule goes to that? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a hell of a change. And on that, it will literally streamline the game. It will. I mean, yeah, but, but, but keep in mind. But, there, how many but, times, but, brother, have you sat there watching the same guy? It's a, just a four, five, oh, foul, foul, no foul, oh, foul, oh, foul, foul, but, foul, but, foul. But Chris, Chris, Chris. Okay, but Chris, realize. You realize if there are more strikeouts, then there's even less going on in the game of Major League Baseball. That defeats the purpose. Baseball wants more action. You're petitioning for less action. You want more no, strikeouts. Think about it. Think about it. How high, think about the batters now. How much more are they going to put forth to make sure they do not get embarrassed and get struck out on foul balls? Think about oh. that. Do you, do you, do you think, oh. I mean, that, that sounds like a hell of a motivator to me. I don't want to be embarrassed by getting struck out on foul balls. Well, Come on, man. Well, but it's not like they're it's not like they're doing it on purpose now. I mean, they're fighting to stay alive against the best pitching that baseball has ever seen. I don't I don't think they're doing yeah, it no, on then purpose. You know then be better hitters. Period. Done. Uh, <laughs> if there can be better pitchers, then if there can be better pitchers, then be a better damn hitter. It's that simple. I'm sorry, but when a quarterback is good, he's only good because he's not a good ass receiver or a good tight end or a good somebody else. So if you can be a better pitcher, why can't you be a better hitter? All right, I'm passing this on to the commissioner. Chris, you are very passionate, and I will I will take that at 1046 in a mid-September night following a Reds game. You're a good man. Thank you for listening. Have a good one, Lance. All right, you as well. He was he was all wound up. I like I like the passion. I don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. I mean, we're looking, the, the strikeout percentage in Major League Baseball is at an all-time high. If you were to tell hitters, hey, uh, by the way, starting tomorrow, if you foul off a pitch on what would be strike three, you're out. I mean, we, we, I mean, we might be looking at 50% of the at-bats winding up in strikeouts. I mean, there, there, would be, there, there would be 20 strikeouts a game routinely, I would bet. I need somebody to do the research on that. Um, maybe I'll go back and look. Just I'll take a random game and figure out how many times. Well, that's going to take a long time. How many times in a in just a random game would the batter have struck out by hitting a foul ball on what would have been a strike three if we changed it to a strikeout? I just, I think it runs counter to what you're looking for. It would dramatically reduce the action in Major League Baseball. But I appreciate his passion. It is uh, 1047, as misguided as he was. <laughs> 10, 1048, it's uh, the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show on 700 WLW. Some superheroes have shields and hammers, but only one has a mighty superhero voice. Fear not, because you've got me, Mike McConnell. Mike McConnell, sworn to use his powers for good. He battles boredom and blandness to bring you a super morning. Because your morning should be fun. The latest news, weather, traffic, sports, and his stupefying McConnell wit. To make sure your day starts on a positive note. Make it a super morning with Mike McConnell, tomorrow morning at 5 on 700 WLW. You know what makes a home loan easy? 
Close it in on 11 o'clock on the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show, 700 WLW. Visit Kelsey Truck Country off Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. Extra Innings brought to you in part by Western and Southern Financial Group, helping to make Cincinnati the best place to live, work, and enjoy life. couple more thoughts on the shift and banning the shift starting next season. Um, and, I, again, I can, I can kind of waffle flip-flop on this. But on one hand, it, it doesn't make sense to me to handcuff a team if they have the information in front of them that says – this hitter we're about to pitch to most often hits the ball. Let's just pick a number. Let's just say your chart shows he hits it over um, in the hole between short and third. Let's say thirty percent of the time. Well, if you that's high, but just follow me here. If you have that information, why should or say he hits it into right field uh, between uh, second and first thirty percent of the time? Why shouldn't you be able to then position a player where he is most likely to hit the ball? On the other hand, there is something to be said for standardizing the look of a baseball defense. The the game was, and I don't want to go back to the roots on everything, I get this, but you have a first baseman, a second baseman, a shortstop, and a third baseman. There's nothing goofier than looking and seeing a second baseman standing directly behind second base or a, a second baseman standing out in right field or a shortstop standing out in right field when they have shifted. I, I remember a game earlier this year, I was watching the Cubs and Dodgers. And I want to say the Cubs shortstop at the time, and I don't don't hold me to this precisely, but the Cubs shortstop had shifted all the way over into right field, shallow right field. And there was a ground ball past the diving Cubs first baseman. Okay, ground ball past the diving Cubs first baseman. The shortstop, who was out in shallow right field, fielded the ball, and on a foot race to first, almost recorded the out by beating the runner to first base. Understand what I just said. A shortstop shifted over into right field, standing in the outfield, took a ground ball and uh, with a foot race, because the first baseman was taken out of the play diving for it, almost beat the runner to first base. That's not how the game is meant to be played, at least in my opinion. And I don't think standardizing it to say, hey, keep two on each side of second base and stay in the infield dirt, I don't think that's drastic. You can still shade. You can still, if you're the shortstop and the second, or the shortstop and the third baseman, you can still shade a little bit towards second or a little bit towards third or play in or back up to the edge of the dirt. Same thing with the first baseman and second baseman. Nobody's saying you have, nobody's drawing a circle around your feet saying, stay there. You can shade towards second or towards first. You can play in a little bit. You can play back to the edge. You just can't be in the grass. Um, so, I, I, in essence, I've kind of split the difference and said that seems doable, at least to me. Uh, let's go back to the phones. How about uh, here in, uh, let's go to Finley. Hey, uh, hey, John, welcome to the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show. Hey, Lance, how you doing? I'm well. How about you? Good, good. Long time, uh, long time no talk. Anyway, about this shift, I, I guess I just wonder. Uh, first of all, and actually, I think Marty and Tracy show they actually talked about this a couple days ago about there's already a rule in place for the speeding up between pitches, and it's just simply not enforced. Now, that's one part of it. Now, the other thing that gets me about it is instead of I mean, I think, the, the yeah, as you said, the motive is to increase offense, right? So 
why not do a couple of things that are a little less dramatic that would do that? One, and they did this, I think, what, back in the late 60s? Didn't, didn't they lower the mound a little bit uh, yes. to increase offense? And then the other thing I would suggest, what, what is one thing that makes the baseball move is the themes that are on the baseball. Could you could you lessen the themes on a baseball to make it not break quite as much? And I think just those two little things would increase offense without expanding bases and moving shifts around and all that type of stuff. So that's just yeah, but how do, how do you stand? But but how do you standardize the seams? I mean, you say how, then how do you know that that they are standardized and that every ball is the same? I mean, you would well, know I, I you mean, know where the pitch clock what the, what the clock is. Yeah, like like today, I'm sure there's a specifications on today's current Major League Baseball, and and we've seen. I mean, I know when I was growing up playing baseball, you had different baseball company, companies that made baseballs. Some of them had big. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Chevrolet Extra Inning Show, brought to you in part by EverDry Waterproofing. If your basement leaks, call EverDry. It's not dry till it's EverDry. CME Pipelining and Sewer Repair. For faster, cleaner pipelining and sewer repair, call the no-dig experts. Visit CMEPipelining.com today. Rumpke Waste and Recycling, official waste and recycling service provider of the Cincinnati Reds. Stone Statements. Bring your dream kitchen to life with Stone Statements. And by Kelsey Chevrolet. The home of Kelsey Truck Country, Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. The Tri-State's newest and largest truck superstore. Selling all makes and all models. Plus lifetime powertrain protection from our family to yours for life. KelseyTrucks.com on 700 WLW, the home of the Cincinnati Reds. All right, welcome back in. 11 o'clock hour unfolding on the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show, 700 WLW. Visit Kelsey Truck Country off Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. I'm Lance McAllister. We've got some room to work with tonight. We started, what, about uh, 9.50 or so. We've covered plenty of ground. We have plenty more to get to. The short story of the night is Reds get swept. Uh, they lose 6-1 this afternoon to the Pirates, one nothing tonight. So they scored one run in two games for the second time since Saturday. The Reds were one hit in a game. They picked up a grand total of one hit in Game 2 tonight. Reds batters in Game 1 went 5 for 31. Reds batters in Game 2 went 1 for 27. That is a combined 6 for 58. 
eight. The game was scoreless until the seventh inning when the Pirates pushed across the only run. The Reds went with Fernando Cruz as the opener tonight. He made his first major league start. He retired five hitters, and then the Reds went to the bullpen. The bullpen of San Martin, Espinal, Jabot, uh, and Diaz went seven and a third innings of relief, allowing one run. Pirates picked up their first hit in the uh, fifth inning. Let's see what else. Uh, Reds are 56 and 85, 141 games down, 21 to go. Can they go 7 and 14 to avoid 100 losses? Uh, we've talked Major League Baseball rule changes so far tonight. I'm going to extend this conversation tomorrow night. We have a traditional sports talk show tomorrow night, three to or six to nine, with the Reds playing in the afternoon. We'll spend some more time on the rule changes. Do want to spend some uh, time on the Bengals tonight and tomorrow. Uh, from this standpoint, as frustrating as, as Sunday was. There, there is a scale that I, I'm interested. Some are on one end of that scale, thinking the the sky is falling and the season is over. The other end of the scale finds some who who say nothing to see here. They're going to be fine. They're going back to the Super Bowl. I tend to be somewhere in the middle of that, saying, "Well, I'm uh, I'm not waving a white flag, but there are some things that have to be addressed." Um, and, and yet, there there are there, there's a couple of things that are going to bug me. I think beyond this week. Uh, Zach Taylor not challenging the touchdown catch by Jamar Chase with 254 left in regulation. I simply do not understand. The argument that he didn't have a good angle on it, I, I'm sorry, that's bull crap. Uh, what do you mean you didn't have a good angle? For, for goodness sakes, you've got a coaching staff of a gazillion coaches. Somebody had to be able to say, um, wait a minute, we should challenge that. It looks like a touchdown. Let's put it this way. It was obvious enough that the NFL confirmed had it been challenged, it was a touchdown. And yet, Zach Taylor's explanation was he had a bad angle on it. Well, for goodness sakes, it was only the game-deciding score at that point. There's no way of knowing what was going to happen if the Bengals scored at that point and, and kicked the extra point and went ahead. Nobody knows what happens over the final 254. Maybe maybe they never get the ball back if you don't challenge that. So why, in that frozen moment of time, at 254 of the game, that score would have tied the game pending the point after. I know what happened to the point after. And Zach Taylor chose not to challenge it i mean if not then when when would you challenge it and, and then they they he compounded it by having them rush to the line of scrimmage to get a playoff i mean th- that's what you would do if you didn't want the if like you were the other team say well hurry up let's you know you know how it is when when the the it looks like the replay is going to go against you offensively you hurry to the line to try to get the playoff i've never seen a team not challenge and hurry to the line to get to the next playoff not leaving any time for the play to breathe for somebody to say um we really need to challenge that play and what what i don't get and it was kind of like cool, kind of cute to start. Like, you know what? That's kind of cool that he admitted it, it was his bad. But I, how how long does Zach Taylor get to say my bad on stuff? How many games, how many years of coaching before Zach Taylor has to get it right and stop saying my bad? I mean, when he said it after he took the ball out of the hands of Joe Burrow last year against the 49ers, it's like, oh, okay, he admitted he shouldn't have done that. Then after the Super Bowl, he admitted, well, I should have had Joe in the game on third and one. And then on Sunday, well, you know, we should have we should have challenged it. How many bad, my bads does a head coach get? I, I mean, I, I'm not, I had people on Twitter saying that Joe Burrow should be benched and Zach should be fired on Sunday. So the, I, I'm not that 
type of extremist. I'm not saying he should be fired, but my goodness, how much longer before Zach has this thing figured out? And I'm not saying having, you know, figure it out and, and win the Super Bowl every year. I'm saying figure it out and not make mistakes like that. The other thing I don't get, Kevin Huber not bailing on the high snap on the overtime field goal attempt. I mean, the reason they took, the reason they attempted to kick the field goal on third down was specifically if it went haywire so they would have another crack at it on fourth down. Now, you can't kick it, miss, and say, okay, now it's fourth down, we get to do it again. But if there's a bad snap or a fumble and the ball's loose, if you fall on it, you get another try at it. So I don't understand how Kevin Huber, a veteran, wasn't thinking at least, you know, if I have to come off my knee to haul in a high snap, I'm going to fall on it and we're going to live to, to run another play and we'll try it on on fourth down. I don't understand how that happened. And last but not least, I have no idea uh, how Mitchell Wilcox snapped the ball with 13 seconds left on the play clock in overtime and gave those 13 seconds to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Zach's explanation was, oh, you know, we didn't, we were worried about getting the snap off and we didn't want him to stand there for an extra 13 seconds. And, you know, your legs get weary. I'm like, oh, just stop. There was a breakdown on that play. I'm not saying you have to run it all the way down and take the penalty for delay a game and back it up. Yeah, I get you could do that, but if you don't want to, you know, it's not a foreign concept to say say we're going to snap it with one second left of the play clock or two or three. They snapped it with thirteen. Somebody from the coach to the special teams coach to the special teams captain. There has to be a conversation where they break the huddle. Hey guys, Mitchell. We are not snapping this. We are in no hurry to snap this because every second we leave on the clock after snapping this is a second the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have to drive down the field and maybe beat us. So I just don't, those three things still, even on Tuesday night, I just don't get. The, but the, the Zach not challenging, I, I just, because it, it reaches a point where you say, okay, stop, stop saying you're bad. You know what? Fix it. Do it right. Learn it. How many times can you say, well, that's on me? Just drives me crazy. All right, when we come back, um, I do want to do a little bit on our extra innings extra I love stuff like this. I have found this from 1981. I haven't. Matt Reese has. He passed it along to me. It's 1981 Sports Talk. It's Bob Trumpy with Pete Rose in studio. And Kurt Gowdy, the legendary broadcaster, joins him in studio as well. When we come back, the first thing you're going to hear is Pete answering a caller about players not wanting to sign autographs in that day and age of 1981 and Pete's stories behind it as we continue. It's 11:16. Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Innings on 700 WLW. It's a big money game. It's also illegal and it's happening in the basements of suburbia. The gloves are laced up, bets are made, and the bell rings. Join Steel Grant for his six-episode podcast, The Underground World of Baby Boxing. There are a lot of shows to listen to these days. Make sure it's a show worth your time. I suggest The Scott Sloan Show. I bust my butt to give you the best show I can every day. Check out Sloaney tomorrow morning at 9 on 700 WLW. And be sure to catch his podcast on the iHeartRadio app.
People thought they... Things Extra Innings brought to you in part by Western and Southern Financial Group, helping to make Cincinnati the best place to live, work, and enjoy life. I'm Lance McAllister. Reds lose tonight in double-dip fashion. 6-1 this afternoon, one nothing tonight. We've got three full hours of sports talk tomorrow night. I cannot wait. By the way, um, Tom Nichols, outstanding play-by-play voice of the Dayton Dragons. He has certainly experienced the shift and the pitch clock calling Dragons games uh, in the minor leagues. He will uh, add perspective on what it's been like, what he likes, what he doesn't like. He'll join me tomorrow night in the 8 o'clock hour on Sports Talk. I uh, like dropping these in on occasion. Matt Reese has been very kind in what he has found, a treasure trove of old shows of Sports Talk through the years, uh, be it cassette or reel-to-reel, and he has dub those off into a form I can play them now, and he passes them along, and I, I kind of save them if I find something that happens on a date. Like next week we're going to hear, uh, I'm going to replay Randy Macho Man Savage in the booth with Marty and Joe on the anniversary of his appearance back in uh, uh, on September 21st, back in what, 19? I can't remember the year, but I will replay that conversation coming up next week. Uh, this is what Matt passed along from April of 1981. It's Sports Talk with Bob Trumpy, with Pete Rose joining him in studio, and Kurt Gowdy joining them in studio. Gowdy was in town to accept uh, induction into the National Broadcasters Hall of Fame, and he joined him in studio. I'm going to let you hear from Kurt maybe uh, after the bottom of the hour. But right now, this is a phone call to Pete on Sports Talk about autographs. Take a listen to the call and the stories Pete tells, and the callers thought that Athletes back in 1981 were no longer interested as they as they used to be in giving autographs to fans. Here we go, April 1981 on Sports Talk. Thank you for waiting. You're on Sports Talk with Pete Rose. Pete, uh, I was uh, just curious. I was downtown this afternoon, and I was at the Phillies Hotel. I noticed there, were, there was about a small group of fans seeking autographs, maybe about uh, six or seven of them. I noticed that uh, a high percentage of the players were uncooperative. And my question is this. Uh, when I was a kid, back then, there were very, very, very few players who were uncooperative, maybe one or two or three in the league. The distinct impression I have is that this has definitely changed. That uh, for some... yeah, I, I think it has, too. I think I, th- I know most of the players would love to sign the autographs. And, uh, you know, a guy standing there with a, with a ball and there's, and there's uh, 150 people around, he said, just sign one. You know, and... And to be honest with you, I don't like to just sign one or two because I think it's unfair if there's 20 people standing there to sign two then uh, then neglect the other 18. And no matter how many you sign, you're always going to make somebody mad. You know, every once in a while, you know, uh, more more often than not, uh, people yell out at me, I'll pay your salary, get over here and sign this autograph, you know. And, you know, if they take that attitude, I don't like that. But Because my philosophy on that is if you go to opening day tomorrow, and you pay five dollars or four fifty, whatever it is, to get into the ball game. You get to see the ball game. If I go, if I leave Bob Trump's show tonight and I go to show, and and, and see Burt Reynolds in the show, I get to see the show. That's what I paid for. Burt Reynolds is not going to come out of that screen and sign an autograph for me. I've I've actually uh, I've actually been in a restroom, in the John, and have a hand come up underneath it and ask me to sign an autograph. I swear it. I, I swear to God, strike me dead right now. I didn't know what the hell to do. Now, what would you do, Kohler? What would you do? You, 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 you what? I tell him to get the hell out of there. 
Yeah, but yeah, I'm, but I'm not rude like that. Then, then the guy, then the guy hates me. Then the oh, guy, sure. just, then he goes and tells everybody I'm an egotistical maniac. That's right. That guy lives in Ottumwa, Iowa. He goes back to Ottumwa, Iowa, and says, "You know what? Pete Rose wouldn't sign an autograph for me." And I'll tell you me. their story. <laughs> but he's not going to tell the circumstances, my friend. He's just going to say I, Pete Rose would not so sign. You'll get kicked out. I'll tell you another story. And and you know at the Bengal games, I go to the Bengal games, and I went to the Bengal game one time, and I had to go to the restroom. And I waited till halftime. And I went in, and I, you know how the lines are. Sure. I waited in line like everybody else. I'm ready to go to the restroom, and I can just feel these ten eyes on me. Now, you know, I mean, and I turn around, these five kids are staring at me. And I couldn't go to the restroom. Okay. So I, I, I swear to God, I had a, I, hey, listen to this. I had a fake like I went to the bathroom and go around and shake these kids and get back in line again. And I'll be damned with the second half kickoff to one run for a touchdown, and I missed it. And that and was the could, only score of the day. And you could play baseball in front yeah. of 60,000 people. Yeah, and I I just I couldn't do it. And this kid, five kids are watching me, and I had to go <laughs> shake them to get back in line, and I missed the second half kickoff. Uh, only on Sports Talk will you hear admissions <laughs> like that. My friend, thanks for your phone call. Okay, thanks. How good was that? Um, you know what I want to do? I've got time before the bottom of the hour. Matt, I'm going to play that second clip. I, I have Kurt Gowdy here. I've got three clips. I'm going to play the second one before news. This is Kurt Gowdy who joined him in studio. And, of course, Kurt called the 75 World Series between the Reds and the Red Sox. Listen to Kurt with Trumpy and, and Pete talking about that 1975 World Series. Here it is. If you don't mind, Pete, I want to introduce this gentleman sitting on your right there. Last night inducted into the uh, Sports Broadcasters Hall of Fame. And, uh, Salas, king of him. He's the king of him, isn't he? Is that what? He's the king of the broadcasters. Yeah, we got another Hall of Famer here uh, in North Carolina. He's the 10th broadcaster along with Ted Husing, Bill Stern, Mel Allen, Red Barber. Uh, he uh, hails from Boston and has probably done more sporting events than any man alive, I would venture to say. Mr. Kurt Gowdy, how are you, Mr. Gowdy? I'm fine. I want to tell you Pete Rose's story. Please do. 1975, the greatest World Series I think ever played. The opening game's in Boston. And Tion shut, shuts them out, right? Right. And the second game, the Red Sox are leading, and I made one good call in my life when Bench came up. I said he's going to go to the opposite field. He drops a double in the right field corner. There's a, a rain delay in the game, and uh, what do you win? Three to two. Bill Lee pitched a good game. Bill Lee pitched a great game. Had a sinker going, right. and a screwball, and everything. We come to Cincinnati. Man, I never read such columns and calling me, you know, rooting for the Red Sox. I dare this guy be on the way. Former Red Sox announcer. And when they put our names up on the scoreboard, about 55,000 fans really booed me. <laughs> but anyway, I went down the batting cage, and I went up to Pete. We were talking there. Pete was always great to go talk to. And Pete said, boy, you're really getting some heat here in this town. He says, you know, I had a babysitter, and I got one of those videotape recorders, and I had her tape the first two games. He says, I, I think you're leaning over backward. I think you're rooting for Cincinnati. <laughs> no, remember that? Yeah. And he said, uh, don't read all this stuff. He said, these fans are very loyal, very provincial here. But he said, if I were you, I'd watch it. He said, I think you're going the other way too much. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, just trying to go, I'm just trying to go down the middle. But I never will forget. And the guy really was great to me when he came up. And he wasn't kidding me. Yeah. He had the tapes. I looked at those tapes and everything. And he said, I wouldn't be listening to people because you went the other way too much. Yeah. 
April of 1981. We'll call it an extra innings extra from Sports Talk. Bob Trumpy, Pete Rose, and Kurt Gowdy. I think I've got time to give you one more clip after the news as we head down the stretch here. We'll do it on this date in Reds history at 1150, but we check news at the bottom of the hour. Final uh, today and tonight. Reds lose game one, 6-1. They lose game two, one to nothing. We continue with the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show after news on 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW. Cincinnati. Cincinnati Public Schools keeping police officers inside school buildings. This is the 1130 Report. I'm Rob Carpenter, breaking now with 700's Brian Combs. It's a controversy that's been building in the district for 18 months. Some student groups calling for the Cincinnati Public Schools to get rid of the police officers assigned to their buildings. Board member Eve Bolton thinks it's part of the national defund the cops movement, which they want no part of. She's happy with the job the school resource officers have been doing, and the board voted 6-1 to continue the program. If you don't have the police officers with these relationships in these particular buildings with some of these kids and the staff, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be phoning 911 when there is an issue in a particular building, and we'll get another police officer, but it won't be a police officer that is particularly trained to deal with situations within schools. Bolton on the Scott Sloan Show. I'm Brian Combs, News Radio 700 WLW. Now the latest traffic and weather together. Construction delays continue. Southbound 7175 in northern Kentucky. This is just south of Burlington Pike. Other than that delay, really not too bad throughout the tri-state. Now the latest forecast from the Train Heating and Cooling Weather Center on News Radio 700 WLW. Wednesday morning, a touch of fog uh, toward daybreak. Otherwise clear, a morning low of 56. Our Wednesday then, sunshine and right at average of 80 degrees. At night, mostly clear, a low of 57. We're dry and warmer right into the weekend. From your severe weather station, I'm 9 First Warning, Chief Meteorologist Steve Raleigh. News Radio 700 WLW. Nice, comfortable night continues. Radar is good as well, 65 degrees. They can already be found on the West End, North Avondale, Hartwell, East Price Hill, and Mason. Now the FC Cincinnati Foundation is going across the river to Covington as they plan to build another mini soccer pitch at Osterberg Neighborhood Park. The plan is to build an artificial turf pitch that is approximately 98 feet long and 44 feet wide, and that's reportedly the largest built so far. The Soccer Club's foundation is hoping to build at the least 10 of these mini pitches in the Tri-State by 2024, with another plan for Madisonville in the future. The foundation's website says the goal is to build safe spaces for children to play in locations with free access to both scheduled soccer programming and free play. I'm Sean Gallagher, News Radio 700 WLW. Oh, here's your Reds update. 700 WLW. Sports. Pirates pitching held the Reds to just one run over the day-night doubleheader on Tuesday at Great American Ballpark. Pirates beat the Reds 6-1 to one in Game 1, belting three home runs in the process. And the Pirates scored their lone run of Game 2 in the 7th, taking advantage of a one-out double. And that proved to be all they would need in the nightcap. Pirates beat the Reds in Game 2, one to nothing. The Reds have now dropped five straight. The Pirates have taken the first three games of this four-game set as the Reds look to salvage the wrap-up on Wednesday afternoon. Lefty Nick Lodolo gets the ball for the Reds. Yancey Contreras starts for Pittsburgh. First pitch set for 12.35. We're on the air at 12.05 at the Reds' pregame show across the Reds 
Radio Network. At least one person was hurt tonight after a package exploding at Boston's Northeastern University. Boston's Northeastern University evacuating its home's hall after a staff member opened a package and it exploded. The staff were treated for minor injuries. The Boston Police Bomb Squad trying to determine where that explosive came from. The school canceling nearby classes for the evening and urging students to avoid the area. ABC's Andy Field. And I'm Rob Carpenter. Your next update at midnight here on The Big One. 700 WLW Cincinnati. Available everywhere with the iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. 700 WLW, an iHeartRadio station. Hey, it's Lance McAllister. If you're like me, your home internet is your connection to everything. Friends, family, work. Hey, we're back on the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Innings Show. Visit Kelsey Truck Country off Route 50 in Lawrenceburg. I'm Lance McAllister. Extra Innings brought to you in part by Western and Southern Financial Group, helping to make Cincinnati the best place to live, work, and enjoy life. We roll till midnight tonight, then reset it and do it in three-hour sports talk forum tomorrow night. Let's do a quick check on the home run leaders brought to you by Kelsey Truck Country, Route 50 in Lawrenceburg, the tri-state's newest and largest truck superstore, selling all makes and models, plus lifetime powertrain protection from our family to yours for life. KelseyTrucks.com and by Papa John's Pizza. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's, perfect for the game. A home run leader, Aaron Judge. Home run number 56, then number 57. He leads Major League Baseball in home runs by 20 over the next closest player. That's Kyle Schwerber. You know, he's from Middletown. Uh, a 20 home run lead for context. Only one player in the history of baseball has finished with more than 20 home runs ahead of second place in baseball. His name, Babe Ruth. Aaron Judge sitting on 57 with 20 games to go. We've talked uh, Reds. We've talked a little bit on the Bengals. We've talked Major League Baseball's rule changes going in place starting uh, next season. We cell phone and pick up conversation with Ben. Ben, welcome to uh, Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Innings. Hello, Ben. Hello. Hello. If you're talking to not Ben, you're talking to Glenn from Bethel. Lance, how are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Glenn. Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm well. Thanks for calling. Yeah, well, I guess we get a little input on this baseball game. We're trying to mess around with it, and you know, the person <laughs> who's going to benefit from starting the game is the referee, the uh, the umpire. Because he can get his six uh, six figure check and leave as soon as that third strike's called in the in the ninth inning, and he can go home. I don't know of anybody that is really interested in shortening the baseball game. And then the next thing about the referee, the umpire, is who's going to start and stop all of these clocks? We're going to have batters getting hit, but pitchers throwing wild pitches and all to stay within the time frame. But you know, sir, there is a, a thing that could help the game, and it would be good for pitchers, and that is making the foul ball number five or number six a strikeout. In other oh. words, the first two first two strikes are, are, are foul tips or strikes, but then you can go three, four, and five. What it'll do is it'll stop the pitcher. The only one that's disadvantaged from that is he's going to end up throwing 40 pitches in a couple innings because they were able to foul the ball off. But I think that it makes five, five foul balls is a strikeout, and that would hurry the game along and also be beneficial to the game. What do you think? 
Um, it, it's an interesting approach. Um, I, I think you'd have more strikeouts in the game as a result. I don't know that that's good for the game. And, and as far as your pace of player, the length of game, um, Glenn, here's what I don't understand. This year with the rule in the minor leagues, the average length of a game was two hours and 38 minutes. What's wrong with having a game that lasts two hours and 38 minutes? I think that's fine. It's much better than a game that lasts over three hours. Well, you know, I can remember being 84 years old. I remember a time when you could take a picnic lunch and go to where the, where the church league played softball for three hours in the afternoon, and nobody was ever in a hurry to go home with the, with the, the, past, the national pastime. So, uh, I, sure, I think but, but Glenn, you also, but, but Glenn, Glenn, you also then lived through a period where baseballs, baseball games in the fifties and sixties routinely lasted two and a half hours. That was it. And what the, what the whole, what made them go longer? I don't know, but uh, and I don't have those facts or figures, but I'm sure that they're all being considered. But I, I think probably my biggest addition right here is. Is uh make the make the foul ball. When when I was a kid, we used to say ninety strike ninety foul tips is an out. It never happened, but we always used to say that. So that might be the place to go. Is set a number where you hey. get so many foul tips, and that's it. I am so glad you were listening. It really means a lot. You called. I hope we can talk again sometime. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Have a good evening. All right. You, you as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll go back to the time because I think when people hear the time clock, the pitch clock, they, they think in more in terms of hurry up and get it over with. I, and if, if I can do anything between now and opening day next year, it will be to impress upon people. The pitch clock is designed to eliminate the time where nothing is happening where the batter has stepped out and he's fixing his batting gloves or fiddling with his helmet. The, the pitch clock, when I say the games are going to be short, they're going to be shorter because all the dead time, the wasted time, is going to be edited out and condensed and streamlined. Baseball used to be played in two hours and 30 minutes. This will get us back to the way the game used to be played. A, a a better pacing to the game. I, I don't think it's to be looked at it as umpires are going to get their paychecks and not work as long, or you're going to be cheated on your, your money if you pay good money to see a game. You're not fighting for extra time when you complain. You're fighting for more dead time. That's that's what I don't get. I went through this with UC Chris on Twitter, who is clearly a diehard traditionalist baseball player. What is being argued for? You want longer games with more of nothing going on. Major League Baseball saying with the pitch clock, we're going to get to it. We're going to pitch, we're going to hit, we're going to run, we're going to field. Quit fooling around. I don't know how that's a bad thing. One more from uh, an extra innings extra. This was from that same night, April 3rd, 1981. It's Bob Trumpy with Pete Rose in studio and Kurt Gowdy in studio. And I think this is a really interesting conversation about criticizing players and criticizing teams as broadcasters. Take a listen to this talk. Do you think that a guy who does the local games for like the Reds or like the Phillies, should he tell the people exactly what's happening? You know, should he, she never say anything negative toward the team. Here's the way I, I was lucky. Now, when I was a young announcer, I was with Mel Allen, who introduced me last night to the Hall of Fame. I was very thrilled. Mel got a lot of heat from George Weiss and the Yankees uh, 
Uh, now and then he said, well, Pete Rose is up there, whoever, DiMaggio, hasn't had a hit in the last 22 times at bat. They didn't like that, and they'd call. I'd be in the room when they'd call <laughs> on the road, you know. And they'd say, that's a negative statistics, and you shouldn't bring that up. Be positive. And Mel used to get unhappy about it. But he was a great Yankee rooter. I've always had the theory, Pete, that you're not being paid to get up there and root for the home team. Now, a lot of great announcers have. Bob Prince, uh, Bob Elson used to root for the home club in Chicago. Harry Carey does Harry Carey. Well, sometimes he does. Sometimes he goes the other way where the manager wants to punch him in the nose. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think we're hired to be cheerleaders. So when I went up with the Red Sox in 1951, Tom Yockey called me in his office and uh, shook hands, welcomed me to Boston. And I said, Mr. Yockey, what kind of broadcast do you want here? And he said, look, they've seen Major League Baseball here since the 1800s. They really know it in this town. And give it, give them the ball game. I don't want any line drives made into pop-ups or pop-ups into line drives. And I, I want to listen to these games on the road. I want to know what's happening out there. So just tell it like it is. If it's two hops to short, it's two hops to short. And I thanked him because that's the ideal way to broadcast. That's I mean, the easiest way to, to do work, it, too. To work for somebody. Yeah, to honestly, do it honestly. You, yeah, you got to work to tell a lie about baseball yeah. or any sporting event that you're watching. Now, yeah. Bob, I had... The biggest criticism I had in Boston in 15 years, I didn't root for the Red Sox enough. I wanted them to win badly because your family fortunes are tied up with them. Sure. They win, the sponsors are happy, the fans are happy. It's a much different climate. But that was the biggest criticism I got. I, Pete, think that the fellow should go right down the middle. And I don't think you should go out looking for, for problems. Right, right. Personal problems, things like that. Uh, but I, I also think that if a guy boots well, if it goes through his legs, you got television now. They see it. The fans are used to it. I think they want the truth. They want it the way it is. Pete, Pete knows uh, athletes are funny. You know, uh, there's so many players nowadays, Kurt, that don't even talk to press. And uh, I can somebody told me that. today, Bench wasn't talking to people out here. Did I, you know that? No. Carl, Carl I'm going to tell, tell you about what press has done for me. I mean, uh, I think all press can do is help make you money. I mean, if I didn't get the press that I've got over the years, I wouldn't get the Aqua Velvet. Earl, or you know what Earl Austin said today? He commented, I went over to Johnny Bench, and Johnny said, I'm not talking to anybody. And uh, so we were, we were talking there, and you just stepped in the batting cage, and Lawson said, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about Pete Rose. He's never turned a guy down, and he said, he's been smart. He's been smart. He said, that's... It's, it's been great for him in his career. Now, he paid you that compliment. Yeah, you know what Marty Brenneman told me one night when we were in Tampa about two weeks ago? I asked him the same question I asked you, Kurt, about dealing with athletes when you have to uh, face an athlete one-on-one -on -one after uh, he's booted one. Uh, and Marty Brenneman said, that doesn't bother me at all. And I said, how do you deal with that? And he says, I have yet to have one athlete walk up to me and say, thanks for the comments I've made. Therefore, when they call up and uh, or they come in front of me and they want to criticize what I say, I don't listen to them. I don't want anything to do with them. My question to both of you. You've been, uh, you were doing a baseball back in 51. You were playing baseball at the Major League back level back in 63. Uh, is it easier to criticize a Major League Baseball player today? Is yes, it? it is. It's much much more uh, uh, out in the open. In those days, uh, everybody sort of revered uh, 
the major league athlete. There were never the stories, the personal stories told about him. Uh, the money maker. The, uh, that's the right. Money this, uh, now it's all out in the open, and uh, the athletes, I think, especially, uh, expect a lot more frankness and, and honesty and is that good? criticism. Is that good? or are I we... think that's life. I mean, I think we're all, you're the same particular. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're going to get it here. Sure. I've we stir it, it up. And uh, people get it in their jobs and everything. So right. why, why shouldn't uh, an athlete be criticized uh, if he has a bad game or this or that? But oh, I, don't gosh. go looking for it. Don't go that's trying right. to nail him. I could listen to that uh, stuff all night. Pete Rose, Kurt Gowdy, and Bob Trumpy will call it a extra innings extra. That's from uh, Sports Talk, April third, nineteen eighty one. That was when Pete was in town with the Phillies in his first season, uh, or playing for the Phillies, and that was uh, opening the eve of opening day between the Reds and Phillies in nineteen eighty one. And Kurt Gowdy was in town uh, accepting induction into the National Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Really cool stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll head down the stretch, do it on this date in Reds history, and send you off the news at the top of the hour. A losing day for the Reds, swept by the Pirates 6-1 and 1-0. This is the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show, 700 WLW. Hey, it's your friend Scott Sloan here, and I'd like to get real with you for a moment. All across the country, and even right here in the Tri-State, there are people who have to go without. Without being able to listen to my entire show, The Scott Sloan Show. I know, it's tragic. If you find yourself having to go without hearing my whole show, there is help. You can catch the podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Remember, no one should have to go without. Napa, no segment here at Napa when you take care... All right, here we go. Let's go back in time as we return to the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Inning Show on 700 WLW. I'm Lance McAllister. Let's figure out what happened on this date in Reds history. If you're ready now, we begin on this date, 1900. The Reds commit 17 errors, 17, he said, in a doubleheader loss to the eventual National League champion Dodgers in Brooklyn. The second game was called after six and a half innings due to darkness. So they played one regulation game, won six and a half innings, and combined the Reds. You thought today was bad. Reds committed 17 errors on this date, 1900. 1925, Pete Donahue wins his 20th game as the Reds beat the Cubs. Get this. Reds pitchers in 1925 finished first, second, and third in innings pitched that season. Donahue threw 301. Dolph Luque, 291. Epa Rixey, 297. That trio finished in the top four in earned run average that season as well. They state 1945, a crowd of... 281 fans showed up at Crosley Field to watch the Reds beat the Giants 3-2. The Reds drew just 297,000 fans that season, lowest in the majors and less than some minor league teams. Now, wait a minute. Truth be told, 281 showed up on this date, 1985. Were there more than 281 at the ballpark for Game 1 today, the makeup from earlier in the season? I don't know. This date, 1961, Joey J beats the Braves to win his 20th game of the season. 1972, Johnny Bench hits a two-run home run, bottom of the 10th. Reds beat the Braves 8-6 at Riverfront. On this date, 1985, Reds rookie Rob Murphy, remember him, serves up a home run on the first pitch of his major league career. A home run by Dodgers outfielder Mike Marshall. 
Murphy would not allow another home run for two years, a span of 55 innings in relief. 1991, Paul O'Neill hits three doubles, a homer, and drives in five. Reds overwhelm the Astros, leading 11-1 after three innings and winning the game 13-2. 1995, Pete Shurick and Mike Jackson, remember him, combined on a two-hit shutout of the Marlins at Riverfront. 1988 on this date, Sean Casey breaks up a no-hit bid of Cardinals pitcher Andy Bennis with a one-out single in the ninth, but the Reds lose 5 to nothing. 2010 on this date, Joey Votto hits his 34th homer and steals his 14th base as the Reds hit five home runs and they move 20 games over 500 with a win over the Diamondbacks 12 years ago today. Votto had 34 homers and 14 steals. The Reds were 20 over. Finally, this date, 2019, Anthony DiSclefani, Disco, and the Reds allow just one Diamondbacks base runner, but lose to Arizona one to nothing. Nick Ahmed tripled in the third and scored on a sacrifice fly for the only run of the game. It all happened on this date in Reds history. And you see Chris informs me this is also the birthday of former Reds pitcher Denny Nagel, who turns 54. So happy birthday to Denny Nagel. He came to the Reds in a trade. The Reds got Nagel, Rob Bell, and Michael Tucker from the Braves and traded Brett Boone and Mike Remlinger on that 99 team. Uh, Denny Nagel went 9-5 and five for the Reds. All right, let's take a look at the scoreboard to wrap things up. Scores brought to you by our friends at Encore Technology. Visit Encore.tech. The big game tonight in Major League Baseball, uh, statistically at least, uh, from a numbers counting standpoint, Yankees beat the Red Sox 7-6 to six in 10 innings. Aaron Judge hit home run number 57, or 56 and 57. NL Central Division games beyond the Reds and Pirates. Cubs beat the Mets 4-1, the final score. Let's see, the Cubs have 60 wins. Uh, my guy David Kaplan is going to win that bet, isn't he? The Reds are at, what, 50? I've lost track. Uh, Reds have now.